welcome back to the podcast today. Today, I, I want to broach a topic that was about the concerns that people have. And I went out there and asked some patients, and then I did a Google search on some of the concerns that Americans have regarding health. So if you look at the most common health concerns, I was surprised at what number one was. The number one health concern was regarding their physical activity and nutrition. I was happy to see that, but I didn't really, I thought it would be more like a specific disease would come up as a concern. But the concern is, am I doing enough physical activity? Why am I not doing that? And am I eating right? And how do I eat right? Which are, you know, fundamental and amazing and wonderful questions to be able to answer. So today I want to cover as much as I can regarding my view on physical activity and nutrition. And if you've been following this podcast, you know, it's a reoccurring theme. Most of the guests I have on are related to that and have something to do with, you know, um, finding either motivation or, you know, quick, simple tips. So your nutritional uh, state goes up as well as your, you know, habits and physical activity. Because one of the things I've said uh, a thousand times probably, but it bears repeating is that we are meant to move. We are physical creatures. You look at our bodies, they're not designed to be in chairs. You know, the chair is a man-made device. We're designed to get up and move. We're, we have muscles and joints and bones, and those things are designed over the 165,000 years uh, or whatever time frame you want to use uh, for human existence and in, in this form. Uh, and, you know, if we don't do that, we miss out on a lot of the basic processes of our body. If we don't move, um, we basically fall apart. It, it's the rare individual that lives a long, healthy life and doesn't have a physical routine and, and a decent nutritional status. So number one was physical activity and nutrition. Number two was overweight and obesity, very tied in obviously. Substance abuse. HIV and AIDS, and number five was mental health. We've covered that a few times, and all those are great topics. Uh, I'm, I'm excited that uh, people are looking at things that actually matter. Uh, that's, that's good to hear. But let's real quickly look at the leading causes of death and see if there's a relationship. So if you're concerned about your nutrition and your diet, is there any correlation between that and the status of that and how well you're doing in that category um, <clears throat> and the leading causes of death? And of course there is. Uh, the leading cause of death in this country is heart disease, uh, 659,041 uh, people every year die of heart disease. Uh, cancer is number two, 599,601 people, this is 2019, maybe 2020, but uh, the numbers are really related and really pretty much the same. Accidents, 173,040. Respiratory disease. 155,979 people die of that. And then stroke, 150,005 people have died from that in, in the recent couple of years. But let's, you know, heart disease and exercise and diet. You know, do I need to go on about that at all? I mean, that's so obvious. And we're going to touch on that a little bit in a minute. Let's look at cancer. Now, cancer, people think, okay, if I don't smoke and I don't drink too much and I stay away from some of the known carcinogens, I'll be fine. And that, and there's some truth to that. Obviously, you're going to lower your likelihood if you do healthy things. But one of the things that is significantly linked to cancer is simple oxygen deprivation. There was a book out a little while ago, we mentioned another podcast called uh, Sitting is the New Smoking. I love the title because I was like, wow, there's, it's, it's that bad to sit. It correlates with cigarette smoking. And they each, I believe, were taking like 15 years off your lifespan. But what is it about sitting that's so bad? Is it simply the stillness? Or is there some other aspect? Well, they looked and colon cancer went through the roof on people that sat for eight hours a day on their job. 
The reason was the pressure in the rectal area from sitting even in a comfortable chair bleached out or starved out the nutrition of the colon and the gluteal musculature in that whole area down there to the point where cells struggled to survive. So they mutated as a way of trying to survive. Mutation isn't just a random act of, of mindlessness. Uh, some people would say that some of it is, but it's also an attempt. Think of what a bacteria changes and becomes stronger to an antibiotic and resistant to an antibiotic. That's a mutation that has occurred uh, to deal with you know, its own survival. So cellular reproduction, rapid cellular reproduction in the form of car carcinogenic or car uh, cancers is related to the body trying to adapt to a situation and it might do it and then it might fail. And in the process of trying to do it, it can run wild. And when cells run wild and rapidly reproduce, that's a form of neoplasm or, and oftentimes if it's a bad one, we call it malignant and we call it cancer. So a lot of colon cancer related to sitting too much. So oxygen deprivation in that example was a key factor. Let's look at what happens when we exercise, right? Obvious, we are not oxygen deprived. We are forcing oxygen, supplying oxygen through the body by creating that demand. We're tracking muscle and bringing on a whole respiratory rate increase and a heart rate. And you're supplying the body with oxygen at every nook and cranny, the pressure of exercise, especially if it's a significant exercise, causes that second heartbeat, right? What's the first heart? Well, a muscle in the center of your chest that we know of called the heart, which has the four chambers and it contracts and moves blood to areas through the series of pipes, the arteries, and then back through the veins. Well, it's a muscle that contracts and moves blood. What's another example of that? How about all the muscles in your body, right? They're a muscle that contracts and moves blood. So when I contract a muscle in my body, I'm moving blood. So I have a second set of hearts called muscular system. And that is another way of beating your second heart. Imagine how healthy you are with two hearts versus one. So now we have a second heart in a sense, and we pump that heart when we move. Your other heart beats all the time. It goes up and down with demand, but it doesn't, the other muscles, when you're completely still, aren't supplying uh, much. There's a tone to them. There's a natural tone state of a muscle to be, to, can be technical, which I'd love to be. Um, but when you contract them, you're really moving the blood. So it's an amazing way of, of looking at it. So how do we decrease one of the leading causes of death? Back to the number one concern, physical activity. And of course, nutrition, right? We know that processed foods aren't good for us and that the whole food is good for us. The, you know, the, the basic vegetables and meats, I don't think that's a mystery to anybody. We just have to find ways of introducing more and more of that into our lives so we can be, you know, have all those nutrients to make us truly healthy. Okay, so, so number three, you know, accidents. Now, what I found was interesting when I looked at accidents, I wanted to break it down. You always want to break down a stat like this because it's too big of a category. And I wanted to know how many people were in accidents because they fell. Because when you fall, that has a lot to do with your ability to, your balance and your strength. So 17,000 people die every year from fall downs. So now the total accident number is 173,040 people die every year from accidents. So that's car accidents, industrial accidents, unavoidable things, true accidents. But a fall down is also considered an accident, right? You didn't plan it, it's unfortunate. So 17,000 people, okay, die from fall downs. Well, what's the cause of fall downs? The majority of the people that were falling down were certainly older people. And what do we know about them? Well, they have balance issues and they have strength issues and joint problems, joint issues. So they have arthritis, weakened muscles, 
and they have balance issues. The vision is good, the hearing isn't as good. And the balance centers, which sit between the center of your ears, the semicircular canals that have these fluids that tell us where we are when I tip my head, how do I know that? Well, my visual field and my neck musculature, as well as these uh, fluid chambers inside our heads. And those can get a little messed up as well as we get older. But what can we do about it? Do we just surrender to age? That's not how I do things, right? I'm always fighting it. So one of the ways to keep young and stay well balanced, you don't fall down, is exercise and enough and a good diet. Good diet gives you water, decent blood pressure, decent ability to move the thickened blood, make it thinner, is to drink water. So another nutrient fact, number one concern people have. Let's get, you know, get onto that. So balancing exercises are interesting. Now, with a balancing exercise, so you don't fall down as much, we want to make sure that we're doing it safely because we're going to challenge our balance. And it would know, be a horrible thing if I gave people a bunch of exercises and, you know, what do they do? They fell down. Trying to get them to not fall down, they fall down. So what we want to do is do it safely. And you want to make sure that you consult somebody. I'm going to give you some hints and some basic premise on this, but I really want you to talk to either a chiropractor or a physical therapist, a gerontologist, uh, somebody, uh, a personal trainer, someone who understands how the frame works in the body and has, you know, significant education in this, so you don't end up having a problem. But the simplest one, if you're somewhat capable of moving around and you have decent uh, joints and decent health, is to back into a corner. So you put your back into a corner, clear everything out of the way. So you are, uh, and then you take about a half a step forward. So you have the ability with your hands to touch the side of the wall because the wall is going behind you like this and you can just touch it. And you're gonna keep your eyes open during this. The, the more challenging people, younger people, they wanna try eyes closed, uh, feel free. It's not what I recommend. It'll, it makes it more difficult. Simply with eyes open, you basically stand on one leg and bring the other knee up to 90 degrees. Kind of like you would bounce a soccer ball on your knee and then you wait two seconds and bring it down. And then you do the other side. And by waiting different amounts of time, you start with two seconds and you see if you're wobbling all over the place and you've got to keep touching the wall to get your balance, obviously you're at a very challenging point. Some people bring their leg up and they're just plain steady. People who do a lot of yoga are very good at these because yoga involves that. And then you can go up to 15, 20 seconds, do whatever time frame you can stand because you're going to build strength in that. You're going to build the ability to, because imagine if you could stand on one leg well, two legs is, is amazing, right? It's really easy. When I studied martial arts, I had us doing a lot of kicks and a lot of one-legged hops across the dojo. So when we did that, walking on two feet really, really seemed uh, crazy easy because they were, you were getting so good on one. And most people realize they'll have a strong balancing leg and a weak balancing leg. Usually if you kick a ball with your right leg, you'll be better standing on your left because when you kick with your right, you have to balance on your left. So don't be surprised if one isn't the same as the other, that's not a big problem but make sure you work a little harder on the one that's not as good. So if you're right-footed, you're gonna spend more time standing on the right with the left leg at that 90 degree uh, angle. And by doing this, you're also building some leg strength, right? Because you're gonna be using the glutes and some of the, the sides of the thighs. Because when someone falls, what happens? They trip, let's say, and then they try to catch themselves. So the speed of their reaction and the strength of their muscles is gonna make the difference between face planting on the cement and being able to get your leg out there and and a strong enough leg to keep you from hitting the ground and then be, you know, maybe getting your arms out in front of you as well. So when we're doing these kind of things, we also want to go to the next thing, which is leg strength. So in that same position, you can also do a squat or a lunge, but you'll face the wall this time. So before we had the wall behind us, now we're going to turn and look into the corner of the wall. 
So we have our hands on the wall real easy and I have people take a step back, lunge forward, touch the wall and push off. Lunge forward, touch the wall and push off and switch legs. Once again, make sure you have the orthopedic ability to do this. Check with your you know, physical therapist, chiropractor, personal trainer to make sure you're, you're doing this safely. But a lunge is one of the ways to strengthen the exact way we fall. Most people, when they fall, they catch their foot on something, right? A rug, a shoe, or just the tip of their toe just catches something. And what does that mean? Well, the body is thrown forward and they have to get that leg way over and back out into a lunge position. One leg is back, one leg is forward. When that happens, if you don't have glute strength, hamstring strength, quad strength, the leg strength and the glute strength, you're gonna fold right up. If you have the strength, you can create that, grab that force and pull yourself back up. Um, one of the things that I think is crucial is that we build decent leg strength. Walkers, fantastic, right? Love walking, promote it, do it myself. It's, it's a great exercise. It doesn't do everything. It doesn't build the upper leg. Um, you look at uh, your average, uh, you know, the physique of someone who's really super physically strong, like a running back in the NFL, and you can see the, the glute tone and the quadriceps and the thighs. Those are guys who, when they get half tackled and grab a foot, they have to hop on one leg, pull the other leg up. They are experts at balance, experts at landing on one foot because not just the coordination and the speed they have, but they have the leg strength to suspend their entire body during deceleration or acceleration with one leg right? And you can see the muscles they have to be able to do that. And you will not get those from walking. You have to get low. And that, that's when you're going down into a squat or a lunge. You're going to build that part of the body, saving yourself from falling. You don't need to look like one of them to be able to do it, but you certainly don't want to just walk and expect that's going to save you from a fall or as you trip, being able to, uh, you know, uh, save yourself. So the next thing within that is flexibility. We want to be flexible enough to be able to absorb the shock if we do fall. And that is where chiropractic, yoga, basic stretches, physical therapy, you know, the personal training, they usually will put a great emphasis on flexibility, not just to slow the um, sort of sort of bring the muscles into a, a quicker reparative phase, but also be able to get those muscles to be long enough so they're not injured. And so when you take a step, you have a nice wide step. Because if you can't get your foot way out in front of you as you go down, as you're going down, um, it's not going to be as valuable if it's behind you, right? It's got to be able to have that long step. So stretching uh, is crucial. Um, some of the basic stretches, nothing really exciting about them uh, to be able to do that. So there's the basic balancing exercises with a wall. The next category would be using an exercise ball, one of those big Swedish exercise balls. Um, they are usually like 65 centimeters to 55 centimeters tall big, you know, spongy ball. Uh, those are great for, you know, laying on your belly and doing the exercise. You could look those up online real easy, balance exercises on an exercise ball. Um, but I want you to incorporate those as well. Once again, in a safe atmosphere uh, to make sure you're doing that. The other one is the bird dog. That's where you get on all fours and you put one leg and the uh, one arm and the opposite leg out. And then you bring them and you switch them to the other side. Uh, that creates a, a nice balance because you'll notice you're a little unstable when you have one leg out and one leg uh, one arm out opposite sides. Uh, it creates that instability, which makes you tonify um, a good part of the core musculature in the legs. Uh, once again, so you're building that left and right symmetry and creating everything you need there. Um, let's go to, so that was accidents. Number four, uh, respiratory disease. Now, you know, COPD would be a great one to, to pick on. And what do we know about that? Well, it's a significant issue with the ability to exchange oxygen to the lung. The lung is uh, is not working like it should. 
And there's only so much you can do. When that lung damage is that bad from like say heavy smoking or inhalation of the fine particulate and all the different things that can affect the lung, um, you wanna make sure that at least you have good respiratory muscles. And think about it, when you breathe, a lot of people don't realize what's, what, what, how are we getting that air in? We're getting that, that air in through the diaphragm, which is just along the rib line, right underneath here, right where your ribs meet your stomach. There's a muscle that's a dome that goes back and that pulls down, it contracts and pulls down and creates the vacuum so air is sucked into our lungs. The another system is the ribs. If you ever had beef ribs or pork ribs, you think of that meat, that is intercostal muscle. Those are muscles that help you move the, the ribs and contract them. And then you have muscles up in here called scalenes and trapezius and levator scapulae, which are muscles that raise the shoulders up and the rib cage up, then they're anchored to your skull and your neck. All those muscles need to be strong to be able to generate a cough if you're really sick and to generate and put air in and out of the lungs. So when you exercise, you're strengthening those. So when you have stronger muscles in that area, you have ease, an ease of getting oxygen in even if the lung isn't ever gonna really get better. And hopefully, you know, it can improve a little bit as well because uh, exercise improves almost everything. But we wanna make sure that, you know, especially exercise with asthma, because that's a whole other podcast right there because that was a life-changing thing for me because they diagnosed me as a kid with asthma and said it's incurable. And uh, then I became a runner and uh, I never had asthma again. So kind of makes you wonder what they were talking about. Um, so another big, uh, the, the last one on the list is stroke. And, you know, once again, you know, the leading causes of death are all very related to the number one concern Americans have is their ability or their, uh, their knowledge in physical activity and nutrition. And you can understand why, right? Because if you're going to have a connection to uh, the, the strength of the body and the, the chemical uh, strength of the body, you're going to have to work with nutrition and diet to get that, to get that good and solid. Um, to touch on nutrition, we've done this so many times. Um, let's just say that, you know, one of my sayings that I have up on a board of my office is if it was eaten 150 years ago, consider it safe and healthy. If it's newer than 150 years old, be suspect that it's not that healthy because the food industry has changed everything, right? It's a for-profit, for-convenience um, food system, right? From the fast food restaurants to the packaged food. Uh, that kind of thing is, you know, the convenience is, is what you're doing it for, the super taste because of all the chemistry on there uh, that they put in there. But when you get off that stuff, you'll realize, you know, how much healthier your whole body is. So one of the diets I like is the paleo diet, the Mediterranean diet. Um, I think the keto diet, I, I also speak highly of. It, it should be done carefully. I don't think it should be done as your diet uh, forever. I think in temporary situations intermittently. And of course, intermittent fasting is another thing I find uh, valuable. But, you know, none of these diets are, are good for everybody. We want to make sure that, you know, for a lot of people, intermittent fasting is a horrifying idea because they're just too physical or they're just too large. We've had Dr. Fred Cleary on the show before. He can't stand the idea of intermittent fasting. I think it's because of his body mass, right? He's a gigantic human being and his physical exertion, you know? So I think he needs uh, a lot of food going in. And some people are more built that way. Other people aren't, you know, and it has a lot to do with a lot of factors. That's why there should be some trial and error anytime you're working with the body because uh, everyone's genetics, everyone's environment, their behavior, their thoughts are, are different. Uh, but there's certainly themes we should know. And that's what a lot of these podcasts are about, getting the big picture, fleshing it out with as many details as possible, and then being you know, somewhat experimental, um, you know, trying uh, 
do some trial and error within safe boundaries uh, to make sure that you're, you're doing healthy things, right? So in summary, you know, we know that Americans are concerned about physical activity and nutrition, rightfully so. The disease, the leading causes of death are all related to that. You know, all of these, these top five leading causes of death are related to that. So hopefully you'll take some action uh, in, this, in this area. Uh, review this podcast for some of the facts we gave you. And if you like these podcasts, please, you know, give it a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. We release these, uh, try to release these weekly. We're going to have some really exciting guests come coming up. I was just talking to Mitch, who's uh, puts this together for me, and uh, we really have a nice list of people. We're going to get some really interesting people on and, and talk about all kinds of topics. Always tell me what you want to hear about. I have a vast knowledge. I'd love to be able to take a topic for you and research it and bring it to the next level. Uh, happy to keep myself uh, in shape mentally and physically to do all of that. All right, so you guys have a great day, and we'll talk soon.